if we take a, and it takes, it takes faith to believe that though. But if you get off of that, then things start to crumble. Things, uh, as, as, I mean, the, the, the whole account of, of the Bible that you can, if, if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that God is the author of this, if you don't believe that, that this is, um, uh, you know, as it, as it says, you know, the, the things happened as they say they happened, then, then things just start to crumble as far as our, our faith and our, um, our salvation. You know, how, how can you even have, have faith in your salvation at that point when you start to pick apart and say, well, you know, this, um, you know, they're, they're trying to be very metaphorical in this sense. And you know, there are metaphors in the Bible. God, God does not have a literal right hand. And when he, when he uh, came down, manifested himself as in flesh, he had a, a human body. But it talks of of God, the Spirit, uh, you know, having a right hand. And, and there's there's other metaphors that are used in in different uh, different senses. But but when we when we look at this Genesis account. We need, we need to look at it at face value and, and approach it in such a way that is not, um, is not just uh, from the modern perspective of this is what science tells me what happened or how they, what they theorize happened in the creation of the world, creation of the universe. And so then let me fit the Bible narrative into what science tells me. That's, that's not the approach that we can take as Christians. I can't, it's, it's not about fitting the Bible into what science tells me. It's about saying, all right, God, you are, you were there when this began. You were the one who created it. That's not to say that, that all science, you know, is just junk. It's not to say that. But God, I trust you. And then this, Word here, God, I, 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 I trust that as you said it here, this is how it happens. And it's not just about some big metaphor. I want, let's just, let's just get into this and then I want to, I want to address some of these different, uh, ideas about creation. Uh, let's, let's just start here in Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse number one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Simple as that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, really what that scripture is doing is it's kind of setting up this whole chapter, this first chapter of Genesis. Because he hasn't really created the heaven and the earth here. I mean, at, at, at this point yet, he hasn't created all, of, all that is in the earth, all of that. Uh, he, he's going to then... You know, talk about how all of this came into creation. In other words, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It was not uh, as we see the earth. That's not what happened there in verse 1. But God did create the heaven and the earth. It, it did not come out of uh, some primordial soup of, uh, of things that just began to come into existence and, and come together. No, God created the heaven and the earth. Now there's, I mean, you could ask questions beyond that. Okay, what, well, where, where was God? What was, what was before the heaven and the earth? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I don't know what was before. It, it, scripture doesn't tell us what was before the heaven and the earth. Although the only thing I know is that God existed. God was there. It, scripture doesn't tell us of any beginning to God. God has just always been. I can't fully wrap my mind around that. I don't know exactly how to, uh, to explain that fact. You know, I can understand eternity in a, in, in a direction, you know, future. I can, I can kind of comprehend that kind of eternity, but eternity in the past, that's a whole different kind of thing to try to wrap your mind around. It's hard for me to, to think in that way, you know, that there was no beginning to God. I know we're kind of slowly getting into this, but. But God has just always been. In, in the beginning, 
God created the heaven and the earth. I, uh, we may not have all the scriptures. I'm, I'm just going to uh, just kind of go through some of this as we continue. In verse number two, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, so this tells us what the what the earth was like in this very beginning stage. The earth, it was without form. It, it was just, it was void. It was, the darkness was upon the face of the deep. In other words, it was a place of chaos. It was a place, uh, it, there was no, it, it wasn't like the earth right now. It was, in fact, just covered in, in water, we'll see. It had no atmosphere around it. It was, it was just this utter chaos, this thing that God created. But this says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so God is there at the very beginning. God's spirit is moving upon the, the he's, 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 he's encapsulating the globe of the, of the earth. He, he's there at the very beginning. And then it begins to tell us about the, um, about the different days of creation. You have some, some blanks here as it, as it goes through these different days of creation. Verse three says that God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. In the evening and the morning were the first day. Okay, we're going to see that kind of pattern all throughout this first chapter of the, of the Bible. That God, he will create... He will call it good. He will call his creation good. And then it says that the evening and the morning were the first day. Or was, was the, you know, the conclusion of the day. In other words, see, his creation, it, it, it ceased at that point. You know, this, uh, this first day of creation and the second day of creation, we see this pattern start to emerge. So the first, in your, in your blank, in your, your handout that you have there, the very first, uh, day of creation, God created light. God created light. He divided that light from the darkness. He called the light day. He called the darkness night. Let's continue in verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. And God, he made the firmament and he divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And, the, and God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. So we see the pattern again there that God creates. And then we see the end of the day, um, evening and the morning was the second day. Now, what this is, that we, maybe uh, this uh, reading from the King James here, it's, May not that language isn't something that we use uh, every day. The firmament. What's this talking about? Now, what was what was the earth? Um, what was it covered in on the first day? Water, right? God moved upon the face of the water. God was there, His Spirit, and so it says here that He divides the water and creates a firmament. Okay, this is not the creation of land. This is the creation of the atmosphere that surrounds the earth. So he's dividing the water that's on earth from the water that is up in the heavens, up in you know, what we see as the sky. So this is on the second day, God creates the firmament or the, the atmosphere, you could say. You could write that down, number two. On the second day of creation, God creates the atmosphere. He creates the heavens, in other words. And that's uh, on, on that day. Uh, it says that he, he divided the waters above from the waters below. He, he creates this space, the space of, uh, of kind of, you know, what we can understand as, uh, get a little bit more understanding of, of, you know, what the world looks like now. It's not just space out there. It's not, you know, we have a, we have an atmosphere now. On day three, on day three, beginning in verse nine, it says that God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. 
And God, he called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Okay, so at this point, we're looking down just at the, the form of the earth. Again, it's just covered in water. It's been separated, the water's above and the water's below. But now he starts to bring up land in the midst of the waters and creates creates land. And and he saw that the land was good. He saw this separation of the land and the seas, all this. And God says, this is good. And then he goes and he starts putting some things on the land. He, he springs up the flowers and the grass and the trees and all of their, uh, the fruit that's, uh, you know, to, that would make them perpetuating so that God can, you know, he, he didn't, he doesn't create, you know, continue creating. God doesn't have to continue every, you know, every day. Uh, you know, I'm going to put a orange tree here and an apple tree here. No, it's because he, he created the fruits so that it could, it could continue that. And so that was, that was the third day. We have the, uh, if you're looking for the, the blank there, you created the seas, dry land, and plant life. So the things that it created on the third day, the seas, dry land, and plant life. Let's continue in verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning, or the fourth day. So on day four, God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. It says he hangs them up in the firmament of the sky. He puts them... In other words, up in everything that's above, the, the things that had been separated to, uh, to the above space. On the fifth day, on the fifth day, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that may uh, fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. In the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Okay, so on the fifth day, God creates the sea creatures, the flying creatures. He uh, sets them there so that uh, and gives them the the authority or gives them the uh, uh, command. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas. Let the, the fowl multiply in the earth. Uh, he gives them that command just like the, the grass and the, the trees, just like they would had the fruit to continue. The same thing here. God says, I created you once. Now you continue to multiply. Okay, he creates them with that ability to multiply, and so God is not continually creating, but then they can continue that. Continuing in verse twenty-four, we're going to come. We're going to come back to some of this stuff, but verse twenty-four, God said, "Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, the cattle, the creeping thing, the beast of the earth after his kind." And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind. And everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, okay, now here's the big, the big creation now. So he's uh, still on the sixth day. He's created all the animals, all these things that are land-dwelling animals. But now it says, God said, let us make man in our image. Okay, God has not said that about anything else. It's the first time. 
God would say, I'm going to create something that is in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them. In other words, he created man, he created humans with a gender distinction. He created very distinctive humans. Now, he did not hear, even though it's, uh, it's foreshadowing the fact that there's male and female, it was at this point, on the uh, beginning of this, he created Adam, just male. He created Adam. Okay? Out of Adam will be Eve. Out of Adam will, uh, God will create, um, and make, make Eve the woman. But it's, it's, Distinctively saying that there was gender, uh, there was a, a, a difference in genders that God created from the very beginning of humanity, and then they were created in the image of God. Now, both of them, so female, did come out of man. So female also has the identity created in the image of God. In other words, in the it has the, the some attributes of of God. We can continue, verse twenty eight. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every uh, herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I've given every green herb for me, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay, so we have six days. um, In case you didn't uh, catch those there, on the sixth day, God created the land animals, and he created man. That's what God created on the sixth day. Now, what did God create on the seventh day? Rest. That's right. God rested on the seventh day. We could, uh, I'll just read uh, verse, uh, the first couple of verses in chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So God rested on the seventh day. Now I just want to come back and just make some observations about this. And um, if we look at at these um, these days of creation, some observations that that we might make. The first is that on day one, what what did God create? God created light on day one, right? He had the uh, I heard the world God God had created. Um, it says that God created the heavens and the earth, but he created light. So uh, on, on, on day one, he created light. Now, what was the light? Ebony? I don't know. I see a bunch of, I don't know. The, the sun? I heard maybe the sun. But the sun, when was the sun created? Day four, right? The fourth day is when the sun was created. So we had, it's, it's, it's not the sun that was the light. It was, um, now I, I don't know, I don't know that I have the, the exact perfect answer for exactly what that light was, but we do know that God is light. And when God burst into this, this world, when God burst into this creation, there was, there was darkness that was everywhere and God came into it and started his, his, his presence was uh, beginning in a creative way. And so God being light came into this world of darkness and he created light. He said, let there be light and God created light. Now we have so we have light created there. So now this is kind of a, a, a domain of light. We can, we can look at this, in fact, 
these first three days, the first three days of creation are all different realms that God created. Okay? We have on the first day, we have light. On the second day, he's dividing the waters, but that's uh, creating the, um, uh, the, the above the, uh, the skies from the, uh, from the ground. It's on the, uh, the, yeah, the firmament. He's, he's creating the, um, the atmosphere. On the third day, he's, he's creating the dry land and, and the, the plant life. And so then, so we have these different realms, these different places. So, so we have the light and the darkness. We have this difference. Now, what happens on day four? What does God create on day four? The sun, the moon, the stars. These are the things that they fit right into that day one, right? Those are the things that really have dominion right in that realm of the, of, of separating light from darkness. That's what God gave control. And it even says it right in scripture that he says, I set the sun and the moon, the sun to rule the day, the moon to rule the night. That these are the things that, that in order, okay, I've, I've created this realm of light and darkness, but now let me fill that with something that gives it structure, that, that kind of rules over that. And on the fourth day, he fills and he get, puts the things that have dominion over that right in the very realm of which he had created, which was light from darkness. On the sixth, or I'm sorry, on the fifth day, what did God create? The sea creatures and the birds. And what did he create on the second day? Or what did he, okay? He divided the sea, the water upon the, the earth from the water that is above the skies. Okay? And so on the fifth day, you can, you can see we could actually take this four and five and we, we'll see in six as well. And just kind of match them right up with one days one, two, and three where he creates the realm of, of this, where he creates the realm of light and darkness. He fills it with something that would divide the light from the darkness, the sun, the moon, the stars. He creates the things that would, that would con, uh, really take control of them. On the second day, he created the realm of the, the seas and the sky. And then he says, now let me put something on, on this fifth day to go and, and to rule the skies and to rule those seas. On the sixth day, what did God create? He created land animals and man. This is on the very day uh, when we match it up. We see on the third day how God created. He divided the, the, the land or he created land in, in the midst of the seas. And so God, he says, well, let, let me then fill that, fill that realm and with something that can go in that realm and have dominion over it. Okay. This is a, it's pretty, um, Really neat thing when we, when we see how, how God is creating in, in his creative pattern. God is, is creating these places and then he says, let me fill them with something. Let me fill them with something that can have dominion. I, um, I don't know how many here on, on Facebook and, uh, but Brother Stokely, he, he shared a post or wrote a post, um, just this week and I don't think he knew what we were going to be talking about tonight, but, uh, he, he addressed, uh, in his, in his post and, of, um, you know, what, what really is a God? You know, a God is something that has authority, right? God Almighty is the supreme authority. But really, anything that, that we give authority to um, is, you know, authority as far as it can make the decisions in our life. It can, it can set the parameters for what's right and wrong. Um, that, be, that is a little G God. Anything. But when God set man here on the earth on that sixth day, here we are. We have dominion over this earth. We handed it over. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself in our Bible study tonight. But we handed that dominion over. Adam and Eve handed that dominion over that they had the power and the authority that God had given them to rule over all all of the other creation. They handed it over to the serpent when the serpent said, oh, do you want your eyes open? Do you want to be as a God? And yet he comes in and, and they hand it over to, to the serpent who had come in and he then becomes the ruler 
the ruler, the prince, the power of this air, the ruler of this world. And that's where he, you know, man has handed that, that back over or handed that, not back over, handed this, this power that we have, the authority that we have over this world to Satan. That's what happened. There was a transaction that took place. Well, when Jesus came onto the scene, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I was going to plan on ending the Bible study with this, but when Jesus comes onto the scene, Jesus takes the authority back. He says, let me, let me, uh, okay, Satan, you've had it long enough. You've been the ruler of this world long enough. I've come to destroy the curse that you have put on this world. I've come to destroy the curse of sin. And so he takes that back. We have hope. And so we have hope today. We can still live in dominion and power and have authority on this earth as God's, God's people who live under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. I just, um, what time is it? I don't know. If we're not going to get through all this tonight. That's all right. I want to I just address, as I said, there's, there's different viewpoints of, of what this creation story is all about that you may, that you may encounter. There are, there are so many different viewpoints, even within, even within uh, Christendom, you know, different viewpoints of what, uh, you know, how to, how to kind of reconcile this with, with science and, and different things. And, you know, there's all these different um, theories and and ways that people look at this. And I'm not presenting these to you tonight, uh, you know, to say, just uh, to, to validate any of them. But I, these are things that, uh, as, as you encounter in, in Bible study, uh, I, I want you to be, um, be aware of these things just to, just to know that we, we come from the, the, an idea that this right here is the authority on what happens. This right here. It's not about the science books. This is the authority on what happened in creation. I'm not trying to fit this to science. So there's these, there's this idea that you could say of, um, or that's out there of theistic evolution. Meaning that things happen exactly the way that scientists describe it as far as a, a, a macro evolution and, you know, all these, you know, we, we, we came from soup and and the big bang and all of this and and it's just that they, they, they tag it on and say it's theistic evolution in other words uh god the, the theism god god just he he was watching over all of this and god had his hand in, in this the whole way well that that doesn't fit <laughs> that doesn't fit at all the genesis account so i, I mean just throw that out that doesn't we, I, I can't accept that as, as truth because this process that uh, has been, that, that Darwin would have introduced and, you know, all these other uh, scientists after him have, have talked about, you know, as far as evolution, uh, this natural evolutionary process, you know, just because you say that God had his hand on it, that it doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't work with what Scripture tells me. And this is my authority. Scripture is my authority. So throw that one out. Maybe you've heard of the gap theory. Have ever heard of the gap theory? In scripture? I don't, I don't want to get too deep into that, but um, this kind of uh, came up in, in the, uh, the 18th century when there was some of this um, scientific uh, discoveries of, of all these different ages and, and really with geology kind of looking through and you see all these different eras of the earth and the Jurassic period and all these, you know, crustacean that's probably not one of the periods i don't know uh but you have, you have these different periods uh, throughout time and they say you know this is millions and millions hundreds of millions of years old this universe and and uh and so you have this gap theory that that some people came up with as they're trying to fit scripture to it they look at uh this the scriptures of genesis 1 and 2 and then they go to verse 3 and they said oh there's a gap that exists between those two, those, those scriptures between verse two, Genesis one, two and Genesis one, three. And you know, that there was God created the heavens and the earth. He did this. And then, uh, there's all this millions and millions of years that things happened. And then we get the creation account where God kind of blows it all up. This is 
this is part of the gap, gap theory. Part of this is that um, it's also something called the restoration theory. It's, it's, this is a section of the gap theory. Is that, uh, you know, when, when Satan got kicked out of, out of heaven, that this was this war that was going on, a spiritual war, and it created everything, or I'm sorry, it, it, uh, it uh, destroyed everything that had been created. And then God, what we see then through the rest of Genesis is this recreation. And that's what we live in now. Well, you've got a, I mean, you could say that, but I don't see any of that in scripture. I mean, that's a, it's a good imagination if you're trying to, to fit, you know, fit the Bible into science, but, but that's not what I'm doing. And I, and, and I can't come with this, just this theory of just trying to make up all of these, these things that, I mean, the scripture doesn't tell me that, then why should I, why should I believe it? And so I would, I'll throw that one out too, because I don't see anything in scripture that, um, that shows me uh, so, you know, would validate any, any of that idea of the gap theory. Um, we have some other, other theories that are out there. The day age theory, um, just meaning that, uh, you know, a day as we see it, uh, you know, could mean very, or very, uh, different things. It could, you know, be, you know, maybe a day was a thousand years. Maybe a day was 7,000 years. Maybe it's just a, a day, just meaning, um, you know, it's not even, you know, they don't even have to all be the same. It's just, it just means an era. Well, there's, there's problems with that as well. Just, you know, when we kind of look through and how did, how did the, uh, all the plants that were there that were created on day three, it tells us of these plants that were there and, and they were, were, uh, fruit yielding plants. How did they, how did they last for this whole era without the sun, the moon, the stars, all those things? I mean, there's, there's some issues that you have with that if you're looking at, at these thousands of years or a big era that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily fit either. There's, um, you can look at, and, and I think this one has uh, some validity to it, uh, the apparent age theory or um, this, I've heard some other names for it, but, you know, that, that God created things in, in a, in a um, mature state. I don't think he created Adam as a baby. <laughs> I mean, I don't think... I don't think the day after Adam was created, he was, he was then two days, you know, he was two days old, but he wasn't a, you know, a two, two day old baby. God created him as a, as a fully formed man. And I think in the, in the same sense, it's, it's very plausible that, that when God created the earth, when he created things that, uh, you know, the universe, that it was in a fully formed state. Now there's, some issues that maybe I have with some things in that. I don't think that God is necessarily quite the prankster that uh, he could be if you fully think through some of that. You know, that, oh, did he just bury all these dinosaur bones and, you know, just to prank people? And I, eh. I don't think he probably did that. But um, I don't know, these, these are just some things that, you know, kind of think through. But we do look at, you know, is this, was it a 24-hour interpretation? And we can we can certainly see some validity to that, especially when you look at the flood that happened with Noah and how that really changed things. And the fact that that there was, um, you know, there was a, a period of time where we don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned. I have no idea how long. They, there was no aging, dying process until they had sinned. I don't know how long they were there. At some point, they sinned, and then at that point, the aging process would have started. And, and above all that, the, the world was just different. It says, it, it tells us uh, there in Genesis that it had not rained. It didn't rain. It was, it was a different kind of world. Not until God opened up the floodgates of heaven uh, when Noah, uh, when the flood happened with Noah. At that point, it rained. And God also opened up the, the measures of the deep, and the water came out. And so it's a very different kind of world then. So I don't necessarily have every answer to all of that, and I don't pretend to uh, pretend to know exactly how it happened. But, but I do know this, is that I trust this as my framework. And I trust, I trust the Word of God. And I do believe that, um, you know, that, that, that this is how it happened. And I, I, I take a, a literal approach to, to understanding this, this creation account. I'll just, I'll move off of this, uh, 
just after I, I, I read these two, uh, I don't know, these, these two descriptions or these two uh, things that, that a, a professor who is kind of just working his way through the, the scripture, just trying to find his way through, um, he's a very popular, um, very popular psychologist who uh, on social media and, and on YouTube has these, these discussions. And he's just trying to, he, he, he doesn't call himself a Christian. He's not a Christian, but he's, he's trying to understand the Bible. And, and he has a, a very postmodern view, although I say that, he actually doesn't like a lot of postmodern things. But he, he thinks in a, in, in, in a way, as far as this goes, uh, in, in a way that many people that you might approach and, and, and talk to, that they think through this, that in that, this whole Genesis process here, this whole creation process in Genesis, is really just a, a big poem. That's what a lot of non-Christians, uh, or even just enlightened Christians, you know, that's what they might call themselves, people who, who believe in evolution or believe in something other than this, that they would say, well, all of this was just a, just a, um, you know, it's, it's describing all of this in a very poetic form, and none of this is meant to be taken literally. I just want to read what this individual has to say. He says, the poor fundamentalists, they're trying to cling to their moral structure. And I understand why, because it does organize their societies and it organizes their psyche. So they've got something to cling to, but you know, they, they don't have a very sophisticated idea of the complexity of what constitutes truth. They try to just gerrymander the biblical stories into the domain of scientific theory Promoting creationism, for example, as an alternative scientific theory, that just isn't going to go anywhere. Because the people who wrote these stories weren't scientists to begin with. They weren't any scientists back then. That's what he has to say about it, is that these poor fundamentalists, these poor people who actually believe that this happened the way that Scripture says it happened, they don't understand that there's something so much greater that it's happening here. Well, I do understand it. And I, I look at it and I say, wow, look at what God did. When I look out at creation and I see this, it takes more faith for me to believe that this came out of nothing without a God than it does to say that it came the way that God says it happened. <laughs> Evolution and, and, and the Big Bang, all of that takes way more faith. To believe that, that this just happened and that we're here today. <laughs> we are here living, breathing, conscious beings today. It's not a poor, I'm not poor for believing that. I believe that that is incredible what God has done in creating all of this. Amen. Let me get back to our Bible study now that we have about 10 minutes left. Where's my, where's my paper here? There we go. All right. We made it through the very first section and we, we, we hit some of the other things as well, but let's just look at the creation of man. I know this is so far. Um, I'll just mention so far in these Bible studies on Wednesday nights, last, last several, I've just kind of gone through the book. Tonight, I'm not just going through the book. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't expect you to necessarily teach it the way I'm teaching it tonight. Uh, if you're sitting across from somebody and um, going through this lesson, but amen. It's well, I felt the Lord leading me to teach this tonight. The creation of man. Let's, let's look at Genesis 2, 7. And the question is, do you know how God made man? It was out of the dust of the earth. Chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It doesn't say that about any other creation. Only man, I'm not talking about males, but only human, only humankind became a living soul. When God breathed into them, when God, he breathed the breath of life into man. And, and, and everything else he created as living, but nothing else did he create as a living soul. It's only us. And, and we were made in his image. 
It was in chapter 1 where, where we read that in 1, 26 and 27. It says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God made us in his image. It says, let them have the dominion over the fish of the sea. God, God you know, he, he gave us this, uh, this power and this, this dominion over things. And so God, he, in our DNA, you know, there's, there's, it, it's incredible when you look at our DNA and just the fact that, you know, in all of our complexity, we were made in the image of God. We were made in the likeness of God. We were made with, uh, with, with love, just like God is love. We were made to experience things and to, with thought and with, with these, these thought processes and, and, and being able to have relationship, you know, and animals, some animals can have relationship, but not the way that we can have relationship. And that's, you know, God created us in his image, not just in the fact that when he would come and, 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 uh, and reveal himself and manifest himself, that he came as a human, as Jesus Christ. It's not just that. It's the fact that, you know, in all of our, all of our being, all of our thoughts, our, our feelings, all of that is made in the image of God. So different from, from any of his other creation. That's why when he looked at it, he said, this is, this is very good. I created this and it is very good. Amen. Scripture, it often reminds us of, us of how important we are to God. We being God's, uh, God's image or God's, yeah, God's image. We are the image of God. In Matthew 6, 26, it says, look at the birds of the air. Are you not more uh, of more value than they? Jeremiah 1, 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139 says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, this is, you know, you were made in the image of God. You were fearfully, wonderfully made. God created you in such a way that is so different from any of the other creation out there. I, I, I've heard people say, I've heard like these uh, very extreme naturalists, you know, people that, um, and I, you know, people that like, they, they want to save the planet. And that's, you know, that's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to, to want to, uh, you know, take care of God's creation. But I've heard some people say, you know, this world would be better without humans on it. I don't know, maybe you've heard that before. But how foolish is that? Really? How nihilistic is it to, to say that this world would be better without humans? Because this world was created so that God could place his, his, his divine creation, his, you know, us in his image on this earth. <laughs> this world would not be better without humans on it. Or maybe you say, well, I mean, humans are just destroying it. Well... Yeah, maybe maybe they are, but but this is the this is the purpose. God, you know, we are the ones that God says, I I, I will make you in my image. I will breathe my breath in, into you and give you life and make you a living soul. And so the very purpose of, of all of this is so that so that God can have his, us to make a choice to worship him. Nothing else, none of the none, none of the other creation has a choice about worshiping God. The trees they wave in the in the in the in the breeze and in their their tree you know their uh, leaves they change colors in the fall and it's all beautiful and all of that is giving God praise. You look at beautiful rocks and and I don't understand you know why uh, why you know I don't I don't fully understand and comprehend beauty, but you know we just view things some things as beautiful and, and there's these gemstones and they're beautiful and that gives God praise, right? You look at it, it's like, wow, that's beautiful. Look what God did. And it gives God praise because, you know, their creator did this. But they don't have a choice about it. They just, <laughs> and they just do. They, they, give, they have to give God praise. They don't, they don't have that opportunity. But we have a choice. God, I can follow you and obey you, trust you. 
in obedience, God, I can worship you. Or I can go and I can worship myself. I can worship your fallen angels. That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. The original dwelling place of man is that the devil, he used three things. And we'll just, we'll just fill in these three blanks. And we can finish up tonight. Three different areas that the devil used, and he continues to do, use these three things in, in um, causing disobedience in, in, in man. And it's, first of all, it's the lust of the flesh. The second is the lust of the eyes. And the last is the pride of life. In fact, if you can put up First uh, John 2, 15 through 17. It says, loving out the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away, the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It's those three things, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the very things that the serpent used, that Satan used uh, in the very beginning uh, to cause disobedience, to cause sin, to enter into this world. He continues to use those three three things. Uh, Just to look at that, Genesis account, uh, the lust of the flesh. He said, look at the tree. Look at the tree. That it's good for food. A tree is good for food. This desire to feel good. This desire to, to feel full and to feel, you know, hey, that's, you know, I know I can have anything else here, but that looks good too. And in my flesh, that looks like good. Even though God told me it's not good, my flesh says that looks good. And I want to feel good. And so the lust of the flesh, now the lust of the eyes, this desire to have, it says that it was pleasant to the eyes. When they looked at it, it was pleasant to the eyes. We have the lust of the eyes. We have this desire to have the things that even sometimes we, or, you know, we recognize I shouldn't have that. I'm told I should not go there. I should not have this thing. And yet we have this lust of the eyes, which is to desire an unjust desire of the things that we look at that we should not have. And then the pride of life. The pride of life is this desire to be. Desire to be something that God didn't create for you to be. It says that they noticed that the tree was desirable to make one wise. That's what the serpent told them. This is desirable to make one wise. They wanted to be a God. They wanted to be wise and to know good and evil like God knew good and evil, this pride of life. And the same thing happens to us today. We can be tempted in all three of those areas in our life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Satan, um, he really hasn't changed too much as far as, um, as, far as how he deceives and, and introduces us to sin. A sin, though, it brings death. It brings death. But I'm thankful, and we touched on this earlier. Uh, already, but I'm thankful that there is a thread of hope. Not a threat of hope, but there is a thread of hope. <laughs> and all through Scripture, we see this, this hope. Even though sin uh, had, took place, even though we fell, mankind fell, and we needed to be redeemed because of, because of sin, we have a promise in Genesis 3.15 that tells us that there will be a Savior that will come and it will crush the head of the serpent. The serpent, that there would be a savior that would come to us. Now, uh, we, we need that. We need that. In Romans, it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I know we kind of hurried through that, that back end of this, this study tonight, but um, amen. Sin, it does have consequence. It has consequence. It still has consequence today. Even, even living in the dispensation, dispensation of grace Sin has consequence. It brings death still today. But we have hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. You have hope in Jesus Christ. We could be, you could be uh, you know, living in, in a way that is totally contrary to God, but then make a decision. I will repent. I'm going to commit to a different life. 
And you, can, you start on that life to say, I am committing to doing something different. And then you have the opportunity. That commitment, that, that repentance is a great thing. And you need to continue going in that direction. But then that, you know, just repentance alone and just saying, I'm going to live differently. Just that alone doesn't save you. You also need to be baptized. When you get baptized, then that's something that goes way beyond you because now it's, it's the fact that Jesus died and he was buried and you're buried and you do that according to scripture and obedience to scripture and you're baptized and then you have an opportunity to have every sin washed away at that point. Now you continue living that life of repentance, which was saying I'm committed to living a different way. I'm committed to being a disciple of Jesus, which is to say, anytime he's telling me there's something that needs changed in me, I'm going to listen to it. I'm a disciple. I'm, I'm learning. I'm continuing to learn, God, from uh, your, your word and your, your spirit as it teaches me. And then, amen, it says that he will fill you with his spirit. And it's by that very thing that you have the power and the ability to live in, a, in such a way that would, uh, would allow you to continue this life of, of, of living for God. It gives you the power. Amen. I'm thankful. If you're thankful, amen, for the salvation, amen, this thread of hope that we have today. Put your hands together. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful today that we have that opportunity. Amen. Glory to God. You are, you're dismissed here tonight. God bless you. We will. We'll see you. We have, um, no, Kangi's aren't here. I believe we, st- we still have uh, our life groups or connect groups Thursday and, and Saturday of this week, but um, We'll try to communicate that on social media and uh, just in case we don't. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.